listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the G Talk Show with G Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and, and brace yourself. yourself. Hey, got a Jeep? What a Jeep? Never driven anything but Jeeps? Well, this is the show for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform, entertain you while we talk about whoa, 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 whoa. Jeeps. Hold on here, Tony. Wait <laughs> just a minute. What do you mean by entertain exactly? I didn't sign up for any full Monty stuff, and you told me we weren't doing video anymore anyways. You know, it's probably a good thing Tammy isn't here today, or she'd probably be protesting too. Well, the video's just for me, Josh, but thank you for asking. <laughs> What do you mean? Tammy? She's not here again? God damn it. <laughs> Please, well, tell, yeah. tell me some good news about this episode, Josh. Well, we have lots of good news. In fact, uh, actually, we've got, uh, we'll be chatting with Dan from the 4x4 podcast. That's good news. Uh, this week in Jeep, we're going to reveal a new trim level for the new Wrangler JL, and one lucky mom wins big at a local raffle. In Wrangler Talk, we have some audio from a co-host that we used to have here on the show, and Steve 4.3 LXJ is going to be teaching us something even the most staunch Jeep tech probably didn't know. Nicky G will grace us with his presence. It just wouldn't be the same if he didn't, and we've got a lot more stuff, so stick around. You know, I'm thinking Nicky G's here is, is here every week. Steve 4.3 LXJ is here every week. Do you think we should make a personnel change? Uh, somebody needs to collect a paycheck. That's all I know. <laughs> Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Hey, how would you like to help us out by doing something that most of us do every day? No, not that. Didn't your mama tell you if you go blind if you do that too much? Well, look, the next time that you're looking to buy something online, be sure to click the Amazon button on our website before you do anything. We'll get a little credit from anything you buy, and you get great deals and fast shipping. So think of us the next time you need some instant gratification. No, wait. I mean, when you want something really bad and you go online to... Oh, God, this isn't helping. I. Okay, Jeep Wrangler, Moab Edition. They add bigger tires, more standard equipment. You know, it's funny. I think it was just within the last couple episodes that we were talking about trim levels and how Jeep has historically, even back to the CJ7 and Scrambler days, had multiple trim packages available. There were some unofficial rumors floating around the last few months, and this week it was officially announced. The newest trim level for the newest Wrangler, the 2018 JL, will be the Moab Edition. The, this answers the call that many have voiced that there really isn't a middle ground when it comes to the latest Wrangler offerings. You either get all the off-road prowess of the Rubicon or you get the more commuter-friendly trimmings in the Sahara. The new Moab Edition is a modest package that adds a little bit more style to the Wrangler Sahara, not to mention some added capability for those still wanting to get into the woods or out on the sand. Now, aside from the predictable and quite prominent Moab branding on the hood, the other more obvious difference comes with the big 32-inch all-terrain tires mounted on 17-inch Rubicon wheels. These, however, are finished in a menacing low-gloss black. The darker theme continues throughout with the headlight surrounds, grill throats, and even the tow hooks all of which get the same blackout treatment. Now, although this is a Sahara underneath, it wears a Rubicon hood and steel bumpers, and the Moab Edition gets a Rubicon, gets some Rubicon rock rails as standard equipment. Now, the new model also gets, as standard issue, body, 
color hardtop. But if you want the dual hardtops or the power top, well, those are going to be optional. There's more standard equipment on the drivetrain side of things, too, in this new trim level. Jeep's SelectTrack full-time two-speed transfer case comes with every Moab, and though you won't see selectable lockers on this trim level, Jeep went ahead and gave you the next best thing. Also installed as standard equipment on every Moab Wrangler will be a limited-slip rear differential and a bevy of other driver assist systems, most of these falling in the safety group. They include things like blind spot monitoring, cross-traffic alert, and parking assist. Now, naturally, these systems are going to include a reverse camera and the massive Uconnect 8.4-inch touchscreen with navigation. Now, to complement all of that eye candy, your ears are going to be treated to the booming nine-speaker Alpine stereo. Oh, and did I mention that the interior is trimmed with leather? Yeah. Although the word is out, Jeep hasn't officially listed pricing for its latest Wrangler. But the guesstimates are, if the guesstimates are any indicator, we'll likely see the Moab edition available for around the $51,000 mark. Now, that number can't be confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I know. You do get a lot for that number, though. Now, that number can't be confirmed, obviously, but it is probably in the ballpark. Treat yourself or torture yourself, depending on your situation, and schedule a test drive today. Now, you have a, a picture of this Moab edition in our uh, our personal show notes, the ones that the, the hosts uh, look at. And yeah. uh, I, I like it. I like that Moab uh, sticker there. It, that's kind of cool. But the and I'll share this in the uh, in the show notes over at JeepTalkShow.com so you guys can look at it as well. But I got a question: What axles are they putting in in this? I mean, it's Rubicon ish. Did they go with the Dana Forty Fours? Are they still doing the Dana you Thirty? Know that Dana Thirty Five. All new generation of Dana axles that are underneath the JL. It is nothing like we've seen previously. So if you're trying to compare as to, well, what we've known in the past, you really don't have a stick to measure these by because these are all brand new axles that are underneath the JL. So uh, we're looking to get some more information, trying to get some specs and some sort of rel relative numbers that we can uh, do some comparisons against. But we're going to have in the future some more information on these new generation of jail Dana axles. Well, somebody needs to get on the stick and contact Dana about an interview. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but you're right, Tony. I like the blackout theme in this. Now, there's nothing wrong with the Rubicon. And, and of course, uh, the, all of the, uh, the Trailhawk red accents and stuff uh, are certainly eye candy on a lot of this. But there's something to be said about you know, a little bit of a murdered out Jeep. That's a little bit of that black on black type of, of, of a theme going on. The black steel bumpers, the black wheels, the black accents, black tinted windows. Man, this thing really is going to stand out. Now, is it JL uh, and JLU or just JLU that this is available in? That is a good question, actually. Uh, right now, the pictures that I've seen all show this on the four-door JLU uh, model, mm -hmm. but uh, I, would, I would be hard-pressed to see if they don't offer this in the two-door as well. Don't quote me on that, but uh, at least right now, for sure the four-door, maybe the two-door. Well, more information coming up later. You betcha. Now, this couldn't have gone to a better home. A special event was held recently at the Barrel House, a restaurant, bar, and craft beer brewery in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Now, it was a fundraiser for a uh, program called Hungry Hearts. Now, their goal is that the kids in the local school district, really, that's, that's their focus, making sure none of them go hungry and that every kid gets a hot meal instead of a cold cheese sandwich. Sue Ann Knudsen had been donating her Saturday as a volunteer at the Hungry Hearts event. When it came time to draw a winner... Her prediction from earlier came true. About an hour before the event, she bought one of the $50 raffle tickets for the grand prize, a brand new Jeep valued at $29,000. She said, I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm going to win that Jeep. Well, the single mom of four, including her son Jack with special needs, was in great need of a new vehicle. Now, she's grateful for her family's new ride. 
After hearing her name, she was in disbelief. I think I was in shock for two days, Newton said. She picked up the Jeep on Monday and says her son Jack approves of the new wheels. He loves the Jeep. He was in there pushing all the buttons, trying to figure out all the gadgets, seeing what everything did. He thought it was pretty impressive, Newton said. And it, was, it was an impressive win on a day that raises tens of thousands of dollars for kids in need. Their goal was to beat last year's tally of $93,000. And this year, well, the Barrel House is still counting all the donations from this last weekend. But early reports are hinting that they might have just done it. What do you think, Tony? Uh, did she deserve to win that Jeep or what? Oh, absolutely. I think anybody that uh, puts their money down has uh, should de- deserves to win it. But the thing that I'm concerned about is with a uh, single mother uh, of uh, four, how is she going to pay the uh, nearly $3,000 in taxes? Yeah, I was always <laughs> wondering about that. It's like, oh, it's awesome. I just want a vehicle. Yeah. yeah, you also just want a hefty tax bill too there, pal. But uh, yeah, no, th- this, it, there's always a little bit of a, you know, a silver lining to the dark cloud behind the scenes and these sorts of things. But my big question is, is she going to have to keep all of those promotional stickers on it or not? And for how long? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but single mom of four, you know, I, I grew up with a single mom. Uh, she raised both me and my sister by herself and it did the best she could. I know we went through all kinds of struggles, trials, and tribulations. Uh, being a single mom of four kids and one of them being sp- having special needs, yeah, that's boy, I can't imagine the sort of, sort of troubles that she goes through day to day. Having a new car in the family, I'm sure that's going to take off a lot of stress and uh, and anxiety that she that she was having before. So, congratulations out there to Sue Ann Newton for winning her new Jeep. You know, and uh, it's not the outcome that I would I would like, and I'm sure probably not uh, her either. But she all could always turn around and sell that thing at a, a at a very good price and not pay any taxes on it at all and uh, yeah. help out the family. And that's that's when it's rough. Is that, that when you whenever you're having to do the adulting. <laughs> and not go with the fun of uh, having the Jeep. But yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's a win no matter how you look at it. I look at it like, just like that, too. Well, if you guys have a news tip or if you have a response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. Hey, and coming up here later in the show, it's almost exactly like a bear coming out of hibernation. <laughs> Dan from the 4x4 podcast is back with a big announcement. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, we're going to help you keep that front axle alive in your JK or JKU and maybe upgrade it a bit along the way, too. Oh, and Eric Walton of uh, JP Freak Magazine, you know, we interviewed him back on episode 341, wanted us to remind you that their summer issue is out and free for all of you Jeep nuts to read. Just go to currentissue.jpfreak.com, and that's R-F-R-E-E-K. I always try to spell it. Uh, J-P-F-R-E-A-K, which, which is wrong. wrong, which is wrong. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it. Now everybody's thinking about the way I look at it. Well, so. no, just look at it like this. There's two E's in Jeep, and there's two E's in Freak. I like that. Ah. Should be on the radio, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And the next time uh, you're online or you got a buddy who's uh, sitting in front of the computer not doing anything, well, go ahead and just reach over his shoulders and start typing in 4x4radionetwork.com. Now, this is where you guys got to go. If you're into off-road, if your buddies are into off-road, we've got something for everybody. We're over at the 4x4 Radio Network, of course. We've got other stuff there as well, something for your other, well, we'll call them non-Jeep buddies too. It's okay. It's not their fault. But be sure to tell them about the 4x4 podcast, the Center Steer podcast, the Trail Chasers podcast, and we even have the On the Trail podcast there, too. Your one-stop shop for all your off-road audio needs. 
Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. So, Josh, I was a little disappointed last week. You know, we we had a pretty good time making fun of uh, Tammy not being here. I was hoping she was going to be here this week to kind of stick up for herself and uh, give us a couple <laughs> left jabs or something. But uh, no, she's taken off two weeks in a row. How about that? Yeah. Do you know that uh, I was very disappointed because uh, Friday after the show was released, Friday morning uh, after the show was released, she was commenting on chat that she's just she was just giggling and laughing insanely and was quite sure that her coworkers uh, thought she was crazy. Because she was enjoying the show, Josh. It backfired. <laughs> well, we can't have that. We need to put a stop to that sort of nonsense right away. <laughs> so, damn it, it didn't work. But anyway, uh, Tammy's uh, phoned in another report, and uh, it's about uh, JKUs. Here we go. Hey, Tony and Josh. Hope you guys are having a good show. Thank you for letting me have the night off again. I'm going to continue tonight with part four of What is a Wrangler? Tonight we're going to focus on the JK. Now, the JK, JKU's body and chassis were completely redesigned during the era when Jeep was part of Damler Chrysler. I hope I pronounced that right. However, this third-generation Wrangler continued to have a separate body and frame, rigid live axles both front and rear, a fold-flat windshield, and it can be driven without doors. The Wrangler Unlimited is the only American four-door convertible in production. The Wrangler Unlimited became a big sales success, and by the mid-2017, three-quarters of all new Wranglers listed for sale were four-door models. Here are some new features to the JKJKU. The Unlimited's wheelbase was stretched from 10 inches, like the TJ-based Unlimited, to 20 inches. It had a noticeably wider track at 3.4 inches than the previous model. The two-door model has a 2-inch longer wheelbase. It is actually 2.5 inches shorter in overall length than the TJ. The four-door Unlimited model has an overall 20 inches longer wheelbase to offer much improved rear seating room, but it's only 2.4 inches longer than the 2006 TJ Unlimited. Stability control was added as a new safety feature, and all versions offer the off-road tuned anti-lock braking system and traction control system with electronic limited slip differential. The electronic sway bar disconnect became standard in the Rubicon trim, runs almost all vehicle functions other than the steering under computer software control. There were three safety recalls for software fixes. The Sunrider convertible soft top is standard equipment and also available on the JK model is the optional three-piece modular hardtop. Now, this is the first generation of the Jeep Wrangler to have a change in the tail lamps. And, of course, the Dana 44 rear axle. Now, the Unlimited offers more options and equipment than any other previous Wrangler model, including standard electronic stability program, optional seat-mounted side airbags, remote keyless entry, navigation system. So, the three models... The sport-based model is the bare-bones Wrangler that can be customized to a buyer's specification, such as adding options as air conditioning and other accessories. It was originally called the Wrangler X until 2009. The Sahara model is the luxury model. Offering such accessories as the colored fenders, the Yes Essential seats, power windows and locks, and a seven-speaker Infinity sound system with subwoofer, it also offered the gold Sahara decal on both front fenders and stitched into the seats. 
The Sahara and Sports have the command track shift on the fly part-time four-wheel drive system. Now, the Rubicon is the off-road ready model getting its name from the famous Rubicon Trail in California. It offers 32-inch BF Goodrich mud terrain KM off-road tires with aggressive tread, 17-inch alloy wheels, the Rubicon decals on both sides of the hood, And standard components of the Rubicon package include Dana 44 axles with electronic lockers, rock track four-wheel drive with a four-to-one transfer case, rock rails, 32-spline rear axle with an 8.8-inch gear, four-to-ten axle gearing, electronic releasing sway bar, the Yes Essential Seat, seven-speaker Infinity sound system, and any other available option can be added. And the Rubicon also has the performance suspension system with high-pressure monotube shocks and tunable valves, unlike the Sahara that comes equipped with the standard heavy-duty suspension with gas shocks. The Dana 44 heavy-duty axle not only reduces the joint angle of the axles for a better ride quality, but it also increases the ground clearance, which I had no idea. The Rubicon has a 73.1 to 1 crawl ratio for better rock crawling and off-road performance. Now, the rock track system gives you more control and more torque, offering superior off-road performance with their 4 to 1 low gear ratio that lets you crawl at a lower speed with greater increase in torque in all the wheels. And, of course, all those different trim models, Tony and Josh, I don't think I have enough time in the show to name them all. And three months ago, the last JK rolled off the assembly line at the Toledo plant to make way for the JT truck, which will be assembled on the old JK line. They are in process of retooling that line right now. Next week, I'll be back on the mic to share with you the last part of my series, What is a Wrangler? I'm going to be talking about the JL. Then, Tony and Josh, I have some real exciting news about some upcoming changes to Wrangler Talk. But you're just going to have to stay tuned to the Jeep Talk Show. <gasps> not enough time to list i don't think she had enough lung capacity to list I, <laughs> goodness gracious tammy talk about fitting in a whole bunch of information in a little bit of time i thought that i threw a bunch at you guys in tech talk uh tammy just i think really uh, stole the show on that she, one she's learning from the master <laughs> uh, apparently i'm rubbing off on her oh no that didn't sound great <laughs> Great information. Uh, a lot of information there. I have to go back and listen to that several times. That's a great thing about being a podcast. You can rewind it and listen to it over and over and over. I- I'd recommend downloading it, though, each time. Right, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and if you subscribe, well, you never miss the thing. That's right. Hey, coming up later, we got some more of that uh, Nikki G stuff. Uh, I love that Nikki G stuff, Josh. Ah, oh, man, you got any more of that Nikki G stuff? Yeah, <laughs> got to get my fix, man. Oh, that, that, I remember that one. <laughs> you got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. We began talking about the Dana 30 found specifically under the 2006 to 2017 JK and JKU Wranglers back in episode 344. Now, last week, we closed with tips and tricks to extend the life of your Dana 30 and improve its capabilities. Along the way, I highlighted the importance of doing selective modifications that not only increase the strength of the axle, but also its resale value, too. And we got pretty specific with the gears, the parts inside the differential. And I want to sort of ride that wave into this episode, too. Now, whenever you re-gear a vehicle, it's a good idea to use a new master installation kit. 
know that kind of sounds like big words and all that's way over my price range and uh, the skill level and all that. Well, just about every gear manufacturer offers these, and sometimes they even may be included in the gear set package that you buy, depending on where you end up buying from, that is. Now, this will ensure that you have all the necessary shims, bearings, and races that are available to set up the new gears the correct way for dependable, lifelong, quiet service. Now, setting up the new wear pattern of any new gear set isn't something to be taken lightly. And trust me, this is something that requires specialty tools like setup bearings, presses, and dial indicators. And unless you are properly equipped and trained, well, I'd recommend letting a qualified shop do this part. I can go into the details uh, and steps for setting the backlash on a Dana 30. It's not terribly hard, but I'd rather not give you guys some false hope that it's something that you can do and you end up grenading your differential. Having a pro handle your gear setup will ensure lifelong and noise-free operation. Cutting corners at this phase or trying to do it without the right tools and training, and you could do severe damage to the axle, the drivetrain, and possibly even the vehicles around you. Now, that being said, I'm going to bring up the five words that anyone who's in the process of a Jeep build never wants to hear while you are in there. Now, those dreaded five words are extremely hard to argue with since what follows always makes sense. Now, logistically, time-wise, financially, you name it, it checks all the boxes and it pisses all of us off. But it's true. While you're in there, re-gearing your axles or having your gears cryo-treated or whatever, you might as well take the opportunity to install a traction device of some kind. That's right, a locker. Now, regardless of what type of locker you're going with, and if you'd like to learn more about the Jeep's uh, differential and the types of lockers out there, well, check out episodes 302 through 304. Now, doing gears at the same time as a locker install or vice versa is just good sense. I mean, why do something twice or more if you don't have to? And it's not like shop labor is cheap either. Now, do yourself a favor and plan for this. Make sure you're budgeted out for both Axle's gear sets and their master install kits and the lockers for both or either. Yes, this is going to be expensive. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's going to be a decent investment, honestly, but you're going to see good returns on the back end of this. Trust me. But there are ways to ease the pocketbook pain, however, including things like eBay auctions, Jeep club sell-offs, Craigslist part outs, and more. Now, it might take you a while to save up the funds or the parts, but your Jeep will be a whole lot different machine when you're done, and it will be a far more capable Jeep than ever before, not to mention more valuable. Now, with a bulletproof set of gears and a locker to match, the next rational place to focus your attention on that Dana 30 under your JK or JKU will be the axle shafts. Oh, this is where things get good. But you're going to have to wait until next week before we pull the shafts out. Uh, I see what you did there. Hey, um, you know, whenever I uh, upgraded from uh, the 3.55 ring and pinion to the uh, Mm 4.56 on my Cherokee, I saw a two mile per gallon increase in gas mileage. Hey, now that could uh, end up being a few bucks at the end of the month. And uh, I did that even though I didn't have the money for lockers at the time because I, I wanted to get that. You know, the gas mileage certainly, uh, it was an unknown. Uh, there was promise of increased gas mileage, but I, I, I didn't, you know, it's like one of those promises. Who knows if it's going to pan out. The main thing that I was sure it was going to take care of was uh, making it easier to accelerate and keep mm-hmm. going at a speed on the highway, going over moderate underline moderate overpasses yeah <laughs> so uh it was a great thing to do and uh i think that was around 2010 when i did that 
and just recently had a locker, a single locker installed. So eight years later, so goodness, I'm doing I'm doing the opposite of thing of what you were suggesting to do. Yeah. You know, doing it at the same time. I just couldn't afford it, but I've had eight years of better gas mileage because of doing the uh, increased uh, 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 gear ratio on the ring and pinion. Now, four ten would have been the right way to go with the thirty threes that I'm running, but you know, while you're in there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, a lot of that came uh, came up in in uh, in my Jeep build, especially recently doing uh, doing a lot of engine work and and other things. Uh, but uh, but there's nothing wrong with the way that Tony did it. Honestly, there's a lot to be said about budget builds and being able to accomplish different goals and 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 milestones in a Jeep build on a severe budget. It can be done, and it's uh, in the long run, it might end up actually saving you some money. Like Tony, for instance, eight years without. Um, Goodness, I got fighter jets rolling over my house at a very low altitude. I was wondering what that was. I thought it was here. That was kind of scary, actually. <laughs> I've you, never heard that before. You sure, it's not weird. The, you sure it's not that pizza that you ate too fast, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's already been talking to me. <laughs> uh, but goodness. No, but really, there's nothing wrong with doing it the way that Tony was doing it. A lot of us have done it that way, and our Jeeps are actually quite capable. This way, what the way I'm talking about it, it kind of gets you that instant gratification. Everything is done all at once. And you get that sort of that that massive change in your vehicle's capabilities and performance all at once versus, you know, over seven or eight years. Yeah, I mean, I much would have preferred to do it the way you're suggesting it. And that's the way I always recommend to people to do. You know, if you're going to have it bro broken down anyway, uh, get the locker. But there are circumstances and you should always do it the best way that you see fit. Uh, ultimately, it is your Jeep. Yeah, good, good advice, Tony. Hey, do you guys have anything to add to this? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk that you would like answered here on the show. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Send us a message. It comes right to us. And uh, who knows? You might just get your tech question answered here on the air. This is Zach from CNM Jeeps. This is Lisa Simon from Chim Perfect. This is Alan Peterson with Painless Performance Wiring. This is Amy from TNA Decal. This is Neil from SFJ4x4.com. This is Randall Spear, Motorsports Manager from Dana Aftermarket. This is Paul Wolf from ENI USA RM. I'm John Eastmore from Black Forest. This is Nathan Leahy from Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels. And you're listening to the Jeep Talk Show. And a nice big Jeep wave goes out to all of our friends and fans in the off road industry. We thank you for your support. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Hey, thanks for joining us again. We uh, appreciate it. We uh, love doing these interviews. And this week, we're going to have Dan Cole. He's one of the three hosts and creator of the 4x4 podcast. Dan has been serving in the Army for several years and uh, all around the world. Uh, Dan, correct me on this, but, uh, your rank is big daddy. Uh, it sounds like uh, a name of a movie. <laughs> it's something like that. Depending on the audience. <laughs> That's Lieutenant Corporal big daddy to you. Sir. Yeah. Oh God. It was great when he was Lieutenant Dan. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so is it major? Yep, I am currently okay. a major. I didn't want to say it incorrectly. Yeah, it's that's amazing, and and of course, as always, thank you for your service. So, well, uh, and I, I would like to mention uh, that it's uh, uh, the four x four podcast dot com. So it's four x four podcast dot com, and of course, a proud member of the four x four radio network. 
Yes, a charter member. <laughs> so uh, if you guys don't know, Dan's a good friend and a good friend of the show. So uh, it'll be a little loose here on this uh, on this uh, uh, interview. Hey, hey, Dan, I got to ask you now, you were not not long ago, you moved up to Alaska a couple of years. And I, I remember we had you on and we talked about doing the overlanding uh, all the way up to Alaska. And I believe you did some overlanding back from Alaska. Now, when you were in Alaska, it was my uh, impression that you were just extremely happy being up there but now that you've been moved down to california like the mojave desert is this is this correct <laughs> yeah you know it's basically the same thing the interior of alaska and southern california it's exactly the same except for the temperature <laughs> well that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah now, so uh, you know i got down to negative 50s in uh fairbanks alaska and now um, my first real work week, uh, a couple weeks ago, it was in the 110 and above range. So, uh, but you know, both places are very isolated, a lot of wild terrain, lots of places to explore. So it's hard not to love that, even if it is so stinking hot. You know, I can't uh, help but uh, see a parallel here between uh, uh, your situation and the 2009 reboot of Star Trek, where Scotty was uh, sent off to a far off lonely outpost. For beaming, beaming the Admiral's prized beagle to parts unknown. Now, I don't know that you can talk about it, but did you do something similar to this, Diane? Is that why you're not no longer in the beautiful town of Fairbanks in Alaska? No, no. So I'm actually a, a coach uh, for people coming through to train at the uh, what people know as the National Training Center. There's other training centers, but this is the National Training Center, the Big Daddy. Uh, a lot of units in the Army, they call this the Super Bowl, so... Here I am as a coach in the Super Bowl. That's a that, that's a great positive spin on a really crappy place to be, Dan. <laughs> well, so you know, there's a lot of good things about it. Like oh, I am sure. assigned my own Humvee. I drive it around by myself. Um, you know, there's speed limits and everything that you have to abide by, but you know, I am off roading all day, every day. I'm getting paid to do it. I get to go camping, uh, cooking out, hanging out with friends, and and getting paid to do it. Well, Josh, I'm, I'm thinking uh, two words. You bastard. Uh, yeah, I've got some <laughs> other choice letter words in there, too. Uh, most of them four-letter words. But, yeah, no, I, I get you, Dan. Now, big question on everybody's mind at this point now is, does the Humvee have air conditioning? No. Um, it. The faster you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> or... Or make sure you park it so you have a little bit of shade and a good crosswind. That's about the only AC it has. Oh, man. He doesn't even have a back to it. He just has a little, uh, if I remember the picture correct, Dan, he just has a little yeah. uh, thing that goes over the top of the uh, the driver and passenger side. It's a cool-looking vehicle. I mean, how do you, how can you not like a uh, an actual Humvee? The, you know, not not an H2, folks. Not an H3. This is a military oh, yeah. vehicle. Yep. And it's it's really surprising how capable the vehicle is. Um, and I find myself often teaching people how to to drive it because there's a lot of things that people don't realize about the Humvee is that, you know, it is full-time, four-wheel drive. It has a locking center differential. It has torsion lockers in the rear axle. Uh, and, and it's an independent suspension all the way around. And 37-inch tires and the whole thing still sits below, like the roof line, sits below six foot tall. Now, as a major, you can uh, uh, get somebody, some lower rank individual, to run into town and get a lift kit for it, can't you? And and, and lift that booger up and uh, really get something, you know, <laughs> that will basically get you cart marshaled. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd even want that. Like it has loads of clearance as it is, 
has plenty of room for oh, those I know. 37s. They've, they've got the, the drivetrain and everything up in the vehicle, so it's it's really, really well designed. Well, oh, my, yeah. my question is, is how long did it take you before you started considering taking those 37s off the Humvee and putting them on the XJ? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I may have actually had a set uh, sitting by the Jeep uh, many years ago just to see how it would fit. Um, 35s is probably the right spot for my my XJ just because I need a, any larger wouldn't be able to stuff as far into the wheel well. So yeah. well, you starts just, to limit articulation. You just need to move the uh, move, get some full full width axles and put the tires on the outside of the body and uh, do it that way. <laughs> So uh, let's let's uh, circle back over to the uh, the four by four podcast. Now um, it really is due to this move uh, from Alaska uh, down to California that's given you more time to get more regular episodes uh, uh, spun up on the on the show. Is uh, at least that's what I'm hearing on the uh, the two most recent episodes that you've put out. Yeah, this is uh, the nice the other nice thing about the job. Well, one of the other nice things is that it's very predictable schedule. Um, during a training rotation during that cycle. I'm pretty much fully committed. Uh, it's nothing but training all the time for about two and a half straight weeks for me. Um, but then when when I'm not in that training cycle, then I have a very regular schedule that I can plan on, schedule episodes and interviews and things like that. Uh, and it, it helps that my commute to the office is about five minutes. I so hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I live in a nice gated community, five minutes from work. It's it's wonderful. I get paid to go camping and off roading. <laughs> oh man, uh, it's not as, so bad. I know you're still most, missing missing Alaska though. I uh, yeah, I absolutely do miss Alaska, especially when I'm seeing friends posting pictures of catching giant fish and shooting caribou and you know riding around on snow machines and having a good time. But that's all right. I'll eventually get back there. Uh, for now, I can just get to. Uh, love where i'm at oh i'm sure it's very pretty uh a desert environment for sure but still very pretty on its own yeah it, it does take a certain eye to try and uh, appreciate the beauty of the desert um a lot of people just see it as a desolate wasteland and that's why it's used as the backdrop for movies that are set on mars or you know some made-up planet because it's just so crazy looking i mean i don't know how anybody can look at a joshua tree and think that they have not somehow fallen into a, a Dr. Seuss story. Yeah. It is some strange stuff out there. Yep. And I, I even keep like a, a black light flashlight in my truck, uh, my oh, work truck so that I can yeah. find uh, scorpions and spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. Uh, that's a, that's a good, uh, a good safety tip for the folks. Um, oh, I was going to ask you, uh, are you out there at night much? I guess during the training you could be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, during the training, uh, once you cross what's called the light line, it's nothing but blackout drive the whole time. So there's no headlights allowed, uh, and it's mirror-operating vehicles across wide variety of terrains and with the headlights off. So I've got night vision goggles, and uh, my truck is actually equipped with um, infrared headlights, IR headlights. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So it, they really, you know, with that and NVGs, it's easy to see. Yeah, that takes a little getting used to, though, uh, since the uh, NVGs are two-dimensional, I would think. Yeah, there's uh, a, a couple different varieties of night vision devices and thermal devices. and um, The kind that I use, it's a monocular, so it goes over one oh, eye wow. and you have the other eye free. Mm -hmm. uh, so when there's a little bit of a moon, you can kind of get a little bit of depth perception. 
Um, but once you get down to, you know, that half of the month where illumination is below 15, 20%, uh, it, it becomes a little more of a challenge because night vision goggles are really designed just to amplify the light that's already out there. Right. And if there's no light, then there's no light. Yeah. Uh, then you, then you need those active systems like IR headlights. Yeah. I actually thought about doing something similar to that because you know, uh, the, uh, uh, the cameras, the video cameras nowadays are very sensitive to IR. And if you put an IR illuminator, uh, it'll, it'll light everything up, even though it's not uh, night vision, it, uh, it gets very close. Uh, especially the security say, I thought you were going to say it, Tony, because, you know, I, I have a pair of night vision goggles, you know, just because oh, everybody's got a pair of night vision goggles. Oh, man. If, around, I, if I had a five, five grand laying around, I'd have one. At least have a, a, a thermal scope <laughs> on one of the, the uh, one of the rifles. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, I would assume at 110 degrees out there, it kind of makes you homesick for Afghanistan. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't ever be homesick for <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> but I mean, we're talking about similar like, temperatures. You're kidding, right? <laughs> we're talking about similar temperatures that, that were in, in Afghanistan, or maybe 115 you know, or something. Um, Afghanistan wasn't as hot as I remember where I was at anyways, but I was in the, you know, kind of the, the Hindu Kush uh, mountains right at the foot of there. So, you know, at 8,000 foot elevation. Yeah, that um, helps. And that, that really does make a big difference. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely snowed on me there, but Iraq... Iraq was smoking hot. I remember seeing 125, 128 oh on the my thermometer. God. Oh, yeah. that's that's when you need Corporal Hicks to say, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> yeah. Just turn your oven on to preheat and crawl inside. <laughs> oh, this is much better. So, yeah. uh, so you were mentioning something uh, before we started recording about uh, maybe getting uh, the the co-host to uh, do a little interview, uh, interviewing for the show. You got uh, got some interviews planned coming up on the uh, the four by four podcast. Yeah, uh, so we're we're uh, branching out, expanding our technology uh, by the, getting some really cheap twenty dollar <laughs> <laughs> microphones. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't take much to get some really good audio quality. Uh, to try and reach out. So uh, Rich is going to be uh, talking with uh, Midland Radios here very soon. Um, whether or not it's in person at their headquarters uh, there in, in Missouri, which I think, well, Kansas City, Missouri. So, um, But yeah, we're doing a bunch of stuff. Craig is looking at getting to some more uh, auto shows. And it looks like he and I will actually finally uh, get to meet for the first time. You know, the show, the 4x4 podcast started back in 2011, and we have not yet met in person. And he's been a co-host for a long time, a lot of those years. It so sounds we're gonna a lot be like the, us. Uh, yeah. If I remember yeah. right, he's a truck driver. I'm surprised you guys hadn't run across each other with him driving around the country. It, well, he doesn't do a long haul. He does, he does oh. drive a truck, but it's a local haul yeah. uh, in the, the Bay Area. That yeah. makes so sense. We're, we're probably going to meet at the uh, Sandsport Super Show uh, down in Los Angeles here very soon so now yeah, that's coming up here pretty soon hey speaking of meeting up dan i'm a little butthurt that you didn't uh you know reach out and uh, <laughs> and uh, asked to meet up on your way back down from alaska like you did on your way up man i would have uh, definitely been uh, curious to, to meet up with you and have a beer or, you know at least uh, yeah at least have a little conversation or something i know we we're kind of rushed the last time i, I paid dan yeah. uh, josh i should tell you now i paid him to oh. stop going up so <laughs> I, see, I, see. I missed the payment this time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, the route coming back from Alaska took a pretty wide berth. I had planned to come through uh, the Portland area and actually link up with, with Warren Industries and see about getting a winch and bumper installed on my wife's uh, new Ram 1500 eco-diesel truck. Uh, mm. But our route really 
took a different direction than uh, it did on the way up. Uh, on the way up, you know, we crossed through Oregon and Washington. We went to the Northwest Overland Rally. Uh, but coming back down, we drove the Alcan, when it, which was pretty uneventful in a vehicle that has, you know, 550-mile range, air ride suspension, yeah. plenty of room to spread out. Uh, it, it really changed how we felt about driving that highway. Um, but then once we finished the Alcan, instead of heading farther south, we broke off into Alberta and hit uh, a couple Canadian national parks, Jasper, and drove the, uh, the Icefields Parkway into Banff and saw those areas. And then dropped down into Montana, catch Glacier National Park there. Uh, and that was Glacier National Park was the first of eight U.S. national parks that we actually hit on the trip. Uh, we drove basically the the width of Montana over to North Dakota, hit Theodore Roosevelt National Park, dropped down to South Dakota, hit the Badlands, Mount Rushmore, uh, the Crazy Horse Monument, which kind of oh, held a special place for cool. me. Yeah, um, because I was in the the Opahe Battalion uh, in in Alaska, and so Opahe is the famous saying from Crazy Horse, and you know, Crazy Horse was part of our logo and. Just a lot of unit heritage linking me to uh, to that monument. Uh, and even though it's not finished, not even close to being complete, it was still really cool to see that. Now, they got the, uh, they got the face done up there, right? I, I, I mean, it's in progress. And they've got a fair amount. I mean, I know that the, the entire thing's not done, but the last pictures yeah. I saw, uh, the face is carved out. How, how close were you able to get to that? So you can, you know, take the bus tour that takes you all the way up, and you can climb up on the monument and walk around on what mm -hmm. is his arm in, in, in progress. Right. Um, but you know, once you get that close, it's kind of, you lose the effect. It becomes so uh. large that you can't really recognize it. Um, so we, we stayed back. We watched the, uh, the laser show at night. They project a laser, uh, image on there and do a bunch of music and other images that it was really cool. Ooh. Uh, so I'm really, really glad that we got to do that. And I, I can't wait to go back and, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, whenever it's finished, yeah. it's been in progress forever. It has been going on for a long time. If I remember even since like I was a kid or at least a young adult. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, but from there, from South Dakota, uh, we crossed down through just kind of a sliver of Wyoming. I don't think we even stopped in Wyoming at all. Went down to the uh, Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado then spent a couple days with my family uh, there in Colorado Springs and uh, in the Denver area. And from there, things got a little more uh, adventurous. Uh, we went to uh, Utah and we spent a full day in Moab, which is not oh, even I'm close jealous. to enough. Yeah, we rented a Jeep from uh, Barlow Adventures, which was the unanimous uh, recommendation from the entire audience of the 4x4 podcast. Like, if you're going to yeah. rent a vehicle in, in Moab, Go to Barlow Adventures. So uh, we did that, dropped into Canyonlands and um, Arches National Park. And like I said, just, I wish we had had an entire week to spend in Moab because there's just way too much to see and do. Uh, you just can't do it in one day. Yeah, no, I hear it's way too big for, for that. Now, at least you got to experience a little bit of it, uh, and you got to do it from a Jeep nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, I was glad to do that. Now... Having gone through it all, I, I'm confident that uh, that my wife's truck, you know, not pulling the trailer, could have done all of it. Um, it would have been a little sketchy in some areas, but it definitely would have done it. 
So I bet uh, you wish you had your own Jeep there. Oh man, I'm dying to do it. However, now where I'm at, I'm very close to Big Bear and there's loads of trails there. I've already, uh, we took the truck through the Calico area. Um, you know, all these places, if you get on YouTube, look it up, Calico ghost town, there's some videos people show in there. Um, this just, this is literally in my backyard (laughs) and it's wide open. Uh, and then right across the main road from there is tons of uh, BLM land. So I can go, oh, you know, very good. <laughs> we just drive out there, pick a, t- pick a place to go shooting. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of hunting out there. So I can't wait to spend some time calling in some coyotes. and It's going to be great. So uh, I'll remind everybody that whenever you uh, you guys moved up from, uh, I forget where you were now, uh, somewhere here in the United States, and you, you drove up uh, through Canada to Alaska, you actually did that whole trip in your uh, 99 uh, XJ, the Cherokee. That, yep, with my wife, three kids, a dog, pulling a trailer. Which uh, explains why you came back in something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Actually, there was a, a while where I wasn't sure the Jeep was going to be leaving Alaska. I thought it, it might not be able to uh, to be shipped because, you know, we just driving two vehicles that length uh, was kind of a non-starter. Um, and for a, a vehicle shipping company to accept it, they've got some pretty cr- – pretty, uh, I don't know, precise criteria that you have to meet. Um, so uh, when a, li- one of it is list- no leaks. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, listening oh. to the podcast, <laughs> whenever you said it couldn't have any leaks, I went, oh, no, <laughs> don't they understand what a Cherokee is? Actually, what a Jeep is. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I've gone through, and it, in fact, does not leak, and it still has fluids inside, believe it or not. <laughs> That's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I have heard of that, like, uh, somebody told me like, oh yeah, when I go to sell a vehicle, I just let all the fluids out and then they show them, hey, there's no leaks. It's good to go. Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to sound like that. It's a 4.0. It came out of a tractor. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, it doesn't leak and it has fluids in there. The other part was the uh, the parking brake. Um, when I bought the Jeep in 2004, uh, the previous owner had done an actual swap, put a Dana 44 in the back and decided that it didn't need parking brake. Didn't even have the lever in there. So the whole thing was gone. Extra cup holder. <laughs> well, yeah. see, that's the other thing. Like with the aux locker cables, it I actually lose, or I was losing one of the cup holders. So um, over the last year before I moved, I uh, I found somebody who was parting out a Jeep, and I yanked out their center console mm-hmm. um, and the parking brake handle, and then I had to fabricate up the uh, the rest of the cables. Um, to meet up with the the rear axle because I believe it or not blew up the Dana forty four uh, had some yeah I had a catastrophic bearing failure and um the locker was in pretty good shape the gears were okay but none of it was great and it's that was the third ring and pinion I had been in with oh, that good, Dana forty four God Lord yeah, how are you so, having to do your gear setups Jeez well it may have to do something with shock loading and off road traveling i i don't know maybe that's yeah you know, not real like abuse our jeeps or anything you, you know, know that's, yeah. in, that's interesting because the uh the bearing in my uh eight and a quarter uh was uh, was shot when they were putting in the AR- arb air locker um there was at least a good eighth of an inch side play uh in that in the whole uh differential was so yeah. pinion bearing pinion bearing uh tony or was that a, one of the one of the wheel bearings 
uh, the bearings on the the side of the the differential, those two bearings that you know center it and mm-hmm. uh, let it spin. So uh, one of those, I actually actually found some metal, a uh, little metal shard uh, when I put the uh, the diff cover on the new diff cover, and I mentioned it to the guy that was doing the the ARB thing. He says, "Oh, it came from from the bearing because the." ring and pinion are fine so it, it you know it moves so much i may be exaggerating the eighth of an inch but it moved a lot uh so yeah. i don't know how uncommon uh the uh the, the bearing issues are um now i don't know what we had in there i think it was a, a master uh, uh rebuild kit that we used when we uh, when i went with the 456 gears but uh it's uh it's Timkins now baby yeah there you go yeah and that, so that's kind of what happens the outer bearing that i buy the uh, where the wheel mounts and everything, instead of the bearings kind of falling out, they went down the tube and inside the differential. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that must have luck. caused a racket. Holy cow! Yeah, so I when I I pulled the uh, the pumpkin off, looked inside the differential, and I said, you know what, this is the time. I'm just swapping the entire axle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was really disappointed when you got rid of that 44 and went to the 8.8 until I heard uh, how much stronger the 8.8 is. I had no oh, yeah. idea that it was that much stronger. I mean, they put those things on Ford Exploders. How how you know hardcore could it be? Yeah, so the one thing that I, I may come to regret is that I didn't do the C-clip eliminator when I did the swap. Mm. Um, but I, I replaced it with, like you said, it was a, out of the Ford Explorer. It was a 98, so pretty close in years, except this one had been pretty lightly driven. It was in great shape, had all the parking brake attachments. Uh, so I went ahead and refreshed all the brakes, um, all the bearings, uh, replaced the, the carrier was the same, but I replaced the clutch pack for the uh, limited slip differential inside of there. I was gonna say and some of those came with a limited slip from the factory. I was going to yep. ask if you had gotten one of those or not. Yeah. And it, it seems to work great. You know, I've put the Jeep in some, in some serious mud and watching the tires lock up and just drives right out. So it does a pretty the, good job. The 8.8 is what a half inch, inch and a half more narrow than the uh, than the 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 Jeep 44 or the eight and a quarter. Yeah, so it's I think it's a total of a half inch more narrow. So once you get it centered up, a quarter inch on either side. Yeah, uh, is nothing. pretty negligible. Oh, that's better. I was always thinking it was a half inch on either side. A quarter inch is like nothing. Yeah, I could be wrong, but either way, even a half inch is mm-hmm. is nothing. I still get loads of uh, clearance based on the fact that I'm running um, an eight inch Skyjacker lift. And so when I did the swap, I replaced uh, the rear shocks as well. And this was kind of something I haven't talked about in a while. But I got the oh, I think they were like Monroe Loadmaster Load adjuster anyways it's a the shock but it has a coil spring a pretty thin coil spring wrapped around it so it looks like a coil coil over yeah and it actually doesn't do anything when you're just driving around but once you put a trailer or something heavy on it then you get to use that uh overload spring and so it it leveled out the ride it i you know just Hmm. these springs that i'm running are you know they were installed when I bought the Jeep in 2004. Mm. Uh, so, and it's pulled the trailer, done a lot of moving firewood. So this Jeep has seen a lot of heavy loads yeah. in it and it started to sag. But when I put that in there, leveled it back up, drives nice around town uh, on my short five minute commute. Um, does well on the highway. I don't get any body roll, even though I'm not running 
sway bars. Uh, is it more stiff? I, I figured something a setup like that would in, would sort of increase the stiffness of the ride in the back end, and you get a little you know a little bit of a jarring bump with the potholes and stuff. It, it if it does, it's not noticeable because I've been running eight inch lift springs for so long. Right. Yeah. So my butt has just been conditioned to that jarring. <laughs> I always say it's a it's a four wheel drive. You know, it's supposed to be rough. Um, oh yeah. It's like, yeah. Like dating Madonna. You know, you you, you get what you expect. So, yeah. uh, the, uh, now, now, now some people out there probably aren't, aren't aware. You, you mentioned a trailer. You have a nice, uh, uh, overlanding trailer with a, uh, pop-up tent, uh, on it. Would it, I don't know if it's called a pop-up or not, but it's well, a, a nice, uh, tent that's, uh, affixed to that, uh, that unit. And, and that's one of the reasons why you'll, uh, you're concerned about, uh, pulling trailers because you're going to be using that thing there in California, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And we used it all over the place in Alaska. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I was in uh, Kansas city area, I actually built this trailer and it was built on a Harbor freight trailer frame. I, I did reinforce it. I replaced the springs with something a little quieter, uh, supports more weight. Um, and then I replaced the axle. So it's got a 3,500 pound axle versus the, whatever Harbor freight put under there. Um, it's got larger tires, so it's got loads of clearance. Um, and then the, the box, I actually built with the, the help and recommendation from um, Scott Chaney, who does the T-Venturing or the, the Danute trailers. That's kind of his brainchild. Uh, people are probably familiar with that. Um, but compa- Compact Camping Concepts. Uh, it's a mouthful of a name, but he's got a great way on how to build these wooden boxes uh, to go on the trailers. And it's extremely stout. You know, I, I put some uh, deck surfacing on it for paint and since i built it there in kansas city it's been you know across the western united states up through canada up north of the arctic circle across the denali highway a couple times it's done the alcan twice uh and then all the way down through california now and it's got uh i'd have to count it up again but it's over eighteen thousand miles on it and it's, How's the wood holding up, Dan? I, I I remember seeing that trailer in person, and uh, and it wasn't all that terribly old. I think it might have been maybe a year old, if that, uh, when I had first uh, laid eyes on it. Um, and 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 then, I mean, you had it packed to the gills and whatnot. <laughs> uh, and I know you've you know since then have put it through its paces and then some. And of course, being up in the rigors of Alaska and now pretty much in Death Valley, how's it holding up? I mean, what's the wood look like today? Uh, so on the outside, you wouldn't know if it was a day old or four years old. Oh, it, awesome. it looks just as good as before. Um, now the inside, it does have some, you can see that there's been standing water inside of it as I've crossed some fairly deep rivers. Um, but regular maintenance on the bearings, all the mechanical bits and the electrical bits are perfect. Uh, I did replace the boat. Actually, I had one battery when you saw it, and now I have mm-hmm. two. Uh, so I can run the fridge freezer there for uh, twice as long and it still charges up. Uh, I've got the umbilical cord running from the vehicle, so it charges up those batteries while you're driving. Uh, but, you know, aside from stuff getting scuffed around on the inside, it, it's it's as good as the day I made it. That's uh, but, amazing. I, I yeah. thought for sure that thing was going to turn into a, a soggy particle board pile of goo <laughs> up in Alaska after the first couple of months you were up there. But I'm glad to hear that it's going strong. Hey, do you still have the logo on the side? Did the, 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 the paint for the 4x4 podcast logo hold up? It's still on there. Still awesome. looking just as, <laughs> as shabby as it was when I painted it on there to begin with. That was a super oh, rush job, stuff. but it, it's definitely on there. 
But yeah, it's you know, it a lot of it has to do with materials. I I did not get some cheap uh, plywood. I I actually spent it must have been eighty bucks per sheet for marine grade plywood. So it's oh, okay. made with much better adhesive between the layers of the yeah. plywood. Uh, and then I, the I pre-coated, right yeah. yeah, I went ahead and sealed it and then put on that uh, deck surfacing on the outside. So it's really weathered extremely well. So, so Dan, uh, going back to the 4x4 podcast, uh, what do you guys got coming up? Uh, well, first off, how often are you guys going to be doing uh, episodes? Uh, I can't remember if you were doing bi-weekly or monthly before. Yeah, so I've always aimed for two a month. Now... That's not to say that they will be one every two weeks. You might get you know two in one week, um, just based on how the schedule plays out. And you know I could probably do a better job and just like have it recorded and ready to release on a certain day. But yeah, you know, I'm like anybody else. I'm super excited to get yeah. that product out in the world. <laughs> People are begging to like, hey, when's the next episode coming out? They're jonesing for it. So I'll go ahead and hit publish whenever it is I get around to finishing. Excellent. So, uh, we'll be, we'll expect to be seeing at least one a month then and possibly, uh, two a month. Yeah, that, that's the goal. And there may be some in between now, uh, now that I've got a way to record interviews without playing the silly pass the mic game. Um, and you know, I am living off road. So, uh, in, in podcasting, you know, content production has become an even bigger part of my, my daily life. Cause I'm, I'm doing it now for the army. You know, living here in the the epicenter of knowledge for uh, tactical stuff, <laughs> I, I learn a lot of stuff, and people um, look to me to share that out with the uh, the rest of the force. So now I'm I'm creating content, and uh, it's getting released through um, not not all public releasable stuff. Got a lot of stuff rattling around in the brain that's not all for public consumption. I bet you it's kind of hard to filter that at times, especially if it's good information. Well, yeah, and that's uh, that's why this content is not going out there. I don't have to filter it. <laughs> well, I mean, just whenever you're talking about it on your own show. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it that is just you know Googleable. You can find it on you know like GlobalSecurity.com and all those kinds of places. So, Dan, how can people reach out, uh, get more information about the 4x4 podcast? Of course, we've already mentioned uh, the 4x4podcast.com, and uh, remember, put that the in front of it. Uh, but uh, you're on some of the social media things, aren't you? Yeah, so we're pretty active on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, less active on Twitter just because I think Twitter just exists to exist at this point. I don't know if many people are actually using it on a daily basis. But, you know, I'm on Instagram all the time uh, sharing pictures of you know, other cool stuff that I see floating across the Instagrams, uh, but also in person. Like today I saw um, some of the special forces guys, they get these cool uh, souped up uh, Polaris uh, razors. Oh, wow. The the M razors, uh-huh. which actually run on diesel and they're pretty awesome. So if you go to the Instagrams right now, you'll probably see that. Can't, just can't imagine a 50 cal mounted on top of a razor. That has to be kind of cool. <laughs> I think a 50 cal might just about knock a thing over if you point it to the side. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Give it gas. I'm going to fire up. So, <laughs> so guys, don't forget that's uh, Dan, Rich, and uh, Craig over there on the 4x4 podcast. 
Dan, thanks a lot for being with us tonight, and uh, we'll be uh, listening for those episodes. I've already been uh, hearing the new episodes. We made comment here uh, last last week or week before uh, another minor miracle had happened. Uh, not only is the Trail Chasers podcast back, but so is the 4x4 podcast. <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> it's either a sign of the apocalypse or the second coming. I don't know which. Yeah, I was already talking to Cody because uh, him and Matt on the Trail Chasers, they were talking about coming to the Calico Ghost Town on an episode you know, the date they floated out there, I sent them a message. Hey, that's not going to work because uh, I'm working then. So you're going to have to pick a different weekend. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, one of these, I, some of these big shows that are happening in California, Dan, uh, you know, I, I know you got a big one coming up pretty soon. I'm probably not going to be able to make it to that one. But next year, we were talking about uh, the Jeep Talk Show making a little bit more of a presence at some of these shows. I think there's a good chance of us uh, getting together here at uh, some of these shows coming up in Cali here, at least in 2019. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And, and, you know, I get a lot of four-day weekends, believe it or not. Um, So branching out and exploring um, a little bit farther than what you could do in a a day drive uh, is very, very possible. So we're looking at doing doing up to uh, Northern California sometimes and, you know, the Rubicon, Reno area, really exploring some of the trails that are out there. If you end up planning a trip to the Rubicon, uh, let me know. I may try and uh, and end up following on your coattails here a little bit. Maybe I can jump in and uh, and join you on that one. Yeah. So I'm I'm maybe I shouldn't disclose this, but I'm looking oh. at talking my wife into a a springtime <laughs> trip. That's a good time so. of year, actually. So yeah, I, I would I'd prefer spring or fall any 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 time outside of that, and it gets a little hairy. So yeah, for sure. sounds good, buddy. Uh, you're safe, uh, safe, Dan. Nobody listens to this podcast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great night. Thank you very much for joining us. All right. We'll talk to you later. Well, I got to thank Dan once again for taking the time to come out and talk about, well, not only his military career, but also the 4x4 podcast and all kinds of good stuff. That was a good conversation, actually. Yeah, it's always fun to do, to speak with friends, and I'm glad you were able to get in on this interview this time. Well, you'd actually uh, let me get a word in edgewise a couple of times, so I can't complain too much. Uh, but uh, you Well, know. sure you can, and you are now. <laughs> and I am. I always have room to complain. <laughs> hey, do you guys have an idea for a guest? Maybe you'd like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and share your idea for our next great guest. Hey, and coming up next week, Sean Wood. Now, this is a big deal. This is from Tom Wood's Custom Drive Shafts. I am really looking forward to uh, speaking with Sean uh, or interviewing. I have spoken with him before. Interesting guy and uh, has all that uh, great Tom Woods custom drive shaft information for us. Yeah, that should be a great interview. Can't wait to he- have him on. And of course, uh, you guys definitely want to, you don't want to miss that next week. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. I noticed a couple of weeks ago. Josh wasn't in the studio. And then last week, Tammy wasn't in the studio. And so I come to the conclusion that it's uh, something we like to call Clark Kent syndrome, where I believe Josh and Tammy are the same people. You never see them in the same place at the same time. <laughs> and I also think that uh, Cody and Nate are the same person, too. You never see them in the same place at the same time. Now that I think about it, I never really see my toaster and my waffle iron in the same place at the same time. So I imagine they might be the same people too. (gasps) (laughs) All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. 
you know, specifically are, 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 are really funny because uh, of how Tammy did her uh, JKU, JK, JKU segment tonight, much like the way you do yours with a lot of information. Mm-hmm. So it's like same styles tonight. And uh, Nikki G, you know, calls this in and he didn't even realize that there was going to be a similarity between your uh, styles of stories tonight. That's, uh, know, that's pretty that's funny. funny. Yeah. Are you sure? Synch- synchronicity. <laughs> You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Now, I saw this, and I've seen one of these in action before, but I think it was a slightly different version. Um, It could have been a beta version. Uh, I'm not sure, but they've definitely made some improvements over the years since I saw one of these last. Uh, These things are really cool. Tony, there's a picture in the show notes that are just for our uh, just for the co-hosts here. And I know you commented on this um, off the air, mm-hmm. uh, how this was, you thought this thing was a pretty cool invention as well. What we're talking about here is called the tailgater, the original tailgater tire table. Now, this is a tire-mounted steel camping, travel, and outdoor work table. It's easy to install, requires absolutely no tools whatsoever. You don't even have to have a hitch on your vehicle. In fact, it mounts to virtually any vehicle that has a tire. It requires approximately two inches of clearance between the tire and the fender in order to mount and be used. That's it. It's great for tailgating, camping, car trips, RVing, off-roading, and all kinds of outdoor vehicle adventures. It's completely stable regardless of ground conditions. Includes a retractable leg for additional support if you you know you want to put the keg up there or whatever. A powder-coated finish stands up to the elements. Easily holds up to 50 pounds, maybe not that keg, and uh, compact and easily portable. It weighs just under 13 pounds and measures about 29 by 23 by inch and a half thick. Now, this thing is really cool. It kind of slides over your tire, almost like an old uh, drive-through. It's kind of remind me of those food oh, trays yeah. at, the, at a drive-through window. Kind of similar in concept, but it kind of hugs the tire, sits on the top lobe of the tire a little bit, and just sort of straddles it while it has this platform that sort of comes out. And, and again, it has a, a third leg that kind of pops out if you want to get a little bit of extra support, right? Hey. Uh, but no, these things are way cool. Camping, perfect for lunch on the side of the trail. If you're camping, you need some extra, uh, extra you know, t- real estate to put things on or whatever. Or my favorite thing, you're, when you're uh, doing a trail repair or something like that and you need a place to put tools or parts so you don't lose them in the dirt or the mud, this thing is where it's at. Now, it is not exactly all that expensive, and we're going to have a link uh, over at JeepTalkShow.com uh, in the show notes for this episode where you guys can pick one of these up. And, uh, well, and like I said, they're really not all that expensive. $139.95 and free shipping, and pretty much this thing will hold just about anything you want to put on it. You know, you didn't mention it here, but uh, for our, uh, our new parents out there, this would make a great uh, diaper changing station uh, off-road. That's ingenious. I didn't <laughs> think about that. That is, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you, you need to change a dirty dighty on the, on the side of the trail. Perfect. Just slap one of these things over the tire. Put the kid down, you're good to go. Certainly Just fits within. the kid when you go to take off. <laughs> Certainly, or the table for that matter. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, listen to that locker engaging. Nope, nope, <laughs> that's not the locker. Oh, that was the tailgater <laughs> table. Wait, we need to go back. I mean, this is a really cool thing. I mean, there's nothing to it. You just slide it over the top of the tire, drop that leg down if you need it. And yeah. uh, I was just thinking when we were at Go Topless Day uh, back in May, uh, we had the uh, the tables sitting out there. I mean, not the tables, the uh, the chairs, the folding chairs mm-hmm. sitting out there next to the Jeep. And uh, wow, how cool it would have been to have this little table on the tire to put our drinks on or camera or whatever it was that we didn't want to exactly. sit there and hold. So this yeah. is a neat little deal. Good find on this, Josh. 
Yeah, I thought so too. So uh, now that you guys must have one of these trailside tire-mounted work tables for your own Jeep, well, we'll make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and uh, look for the link in the show notes for episode 348. I don't know if they make it commercially. I've seen them on uh, pictures on uh, Facebook and Instagram, but they also have something that goes in the uh, two-inch receiver uh, on the back, you know, the trail hitch, or uh, it's a, a use the list little toilet seat type thing and a five-gallon bucket underneath it. And uh, this would make a great combo. You could eat and poop, eat and poop, eat and poop. <laughs> you know, that's things that people like to do together. <laughs> Well, it, it is around the other side, so it's not, not as bad. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to be in here for a minute. I might need another turkey leg. <laughs> Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Ware. Oh, it's so nice uh, having an equal representation of red and black Jeeps out here uh, tonight. <laughs> equal representation. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, uh, today, essentially, uh, as we are recording this, I'm officially off the clock. I uh, start my five-day uh, weekend uh, starting tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, taking a little bit of extra time off around the holiday. And, so it's uh, Tuesday as well then, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah Friday, Friday through Tuesday, yeah. So I don't go back to work till Wednesday, and it's it feels awesome. Yeah, well, don't get too excited. No, I know. Well, so uh, I've got a lot of a lot of things that I'm going to be cr trying to cram into those five days, and one of the which is uh, going to be trying to put in these ball joints that I've been sitting on for weeks uh, that I've uh, hooked up with uh, uh, Extreme Terrain. Uh, I'm sorry, not Extreme Terrain. Uh, uh, goodness gracious, I'm brain farting on <laughs> Route One Route Six. Route One Six. <laughs> goodness gracious. Let's try that again. Brian shaking his fist going, you bastards. Know, you bastards. <laughs> oh, my God. We got so many good uh, good people here that, that are friends with the show, that interact with us all the time. I get, I get a lot of people mixed up, uh, and, and it, it doesn't help. You know, I'm not getting any younger either. So, you know, I, but, I would uh, just, Sorry, Brian. I would just refer to uh, Route 16 in the future as whatnot. <laughs> yeah, you know, and whatnot. You know, that one store, ah, that one place where you get the stuff, the things for the There's, things. It's not your fault, Josh. It's math. <laughs> You've made it very clear. I was told there'd be no math. Uh, Brian, Route16.com. Thanks, buddy. Uh, but I'm going to try and get these things in. Uh, I'm going to be uh, heading out to Rainier, Oregon, uh, out to a little wildlife refuge um, place out there where they uh, they work with uh, monkeys and, and other uh, animals. I'm going to be uh, uh, playing with and feeding some sloths. Uh, for for a little bit, uh, it should be a very interesting experience. That is learn cool. a few things and and play with some. Uh, what are they marsupials or something? Yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, it's not exactly something that uh, you get to do every day. So I got the opportunity and I'm taking advantage of it. So it uh, should be a lot of fun and uh, may even get a camping trip uh, during this five day trip while I'm in there as well. Now I I had planned on uh, on getting out into the woods and doing some shooting. Uh, had had a friend uh, come over uh, this last weekend. <laughs> Poor and, and we were. Oh no. <laughs> Well, Move, listen to this. make it challenging. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tony. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, anyways, I, I had a buddy come out. We're gonna we're gonna go out shooting last weekend, and uh, and he comes out and uh, he backs into the driveway, and uh, we're starting to you know unload his rig into mine, and uh, and I'm I'm in the garage, and I'm I'm looking down the driveway, and I'm wait a minute, you know you've been here for like you know two minutes. 
And uh, well, maybe you want to pull that out into the out in the street after all. You know, uh, he, he was here for two or three minutes, and there was probably a ten-inch circle of fluid underneath of his vehicle already. Uh, and I was like, "What the hell is going on, man?" So uh, pop the hood, start looking around. Sure enough, his oil pressure sending pressure sending unit was cracked, broken, something. I, I don't know, uh, but it was like drip, 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 drip oil. And I was like, all right, well, maybe on our way back, we want to stop at the store and uh, pick up a new sending unit, and we'll fix that when, uh, on our way back. So uh, we, we head out into the Mount Hood National Forest, and uh, it's about a good 35, 45-minute drive from where I'm at to uh, the quarry where, where, where I'd go shooting at. And uh, we get out there, and as soon as we pass the sign uh, that, you know, you're now entering the Mount Hood National Forest, um, he's like, well, did that sign just say no shooting? No, oh, no, I didn't. No. I didn't say no. So we, it's about another, you know, five ten minutes down down this, you know, winding, uh, you know, uh, mountain road, and uh, and we get out to where the quarry is, and there's like one car there, and this is like there's never any, just one car there, and there's these guys kind of walking dejected um, down the hill with a bow and arrow, and I'm like the, f- well, you know, what's going on here? And uh, they're like, yeah, no shooting, and sure enough, as soon as he said, I look over, and and it just. Posted in gigantic signs everywhere by federal declaration, no shooting due to fire danger, a $10,000 fine, yada, 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 effective until September 25th. And I'm like, well, that's just swell. So, yeah, that was a, that was a, a big dejection to my weekend, uh, not getting a chance to go out and, uh, and send any. So I was, I was, a, little, I was a little upset, but uh, I'm going to try and, and make up for that uh, here this fall. I got a couple of uh, hunting trips planned, so... Uh, it'll be should be fun. Are the ranges real expensive over there? I, I, I just can't believe how much we have to spend it's, here for a, for range fees. It, here's the thing with ranges out here. We have so much public land that ranges are few and far between. Ah. And they're typically private. They're, they're club-based. And gotcha. so you have to pay dues and stuff. Now, there is a, a I'm going to call it a range. It's called Portland Gun Club. And they're um, a stone's throw from my house. I can actually hear when they're doing trap shooting competitions. <laughs> I can hear them. Um, but it, but it it's whistling shot- by. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's a shotgun only club. So that, that, oh, that's a bit of a problem. They yeah. won't let you take anything but shotguns in there. And I was like, well, that's not very much fun. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, otherwise it's about an hour plus drive for me to get to, um, a place with, you know, that, that I can, Man. you know, shoot off rifles and things. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, again, it's kind of a catch 22. You got all the public lands, do all the stuff with, but you get, you know, a month and a half with barely a drop of rain and it gets to be a little too dangerous. When the federal government bends you over and says no shooting today, Bubba. I mean, that's kind of the sucky thing. That's kind of the nice thing whenever you have uh, private ownership and they decide whenever they can do things. Although I guess the federal government can tell them no too, but Still, uh, I think they would be uh, more likely for it to be open. Uh, that was uh, that, that's a that was a, a pisser. What uh, what were you going to shoot? Rifle, pistol? Yeah. Oh man, we had a whole bunch of stuff we were taking out there. It looked like a goddamn scene from Matrix. It was, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other no. good thing about doing it that way because you got to pay by gun at the ranges here. So oh, so yeah, you, no, screw that. Yeah, pay for each gun and each person that's going out there and. Uh, Oh, what a pain in the ass. I was happy this last time that we went, my wife and I went, uh, I, I asked him about, uh, can I, uh, carry my, uh, my pistol with me? Uh, because I'm, you know, you're out on a range. You don't 
know what's going to happen with people, and I have a conceal and uh, carry permit, or I guess it's just a carry permit well, now. Texas is an open carry state anyway, isn't it? Right, but private industry, I mean, private uh, uh, private, private places can, yeah, yeah. can say yay or nay, and uh, he says no. I mean, if you're licensed to, to, to carry it, of course. Uh, so I, I actually got to carry my, uh, my weapon. Uh, out there, and I told him I wasn't. Am I going to have to pay an extra fee to to have it? He goes, No, no. If you're not shooting it, I said, No, nope, I'm not planning on it. <laughs> it's not yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's not, not my intention. <laughs> yeah. So that was nice. I like that. I mean, if you're out on a range where people are armed, I, I mean, not that nobody's going to become gunning for you, but <laughs> you know, Chris now, what, Kyle what got shot. What are we talking about? now? Now, do they make you shoot their ammunition too? They do not. I would not go to a uh. place like that. Oh, good. There's because there's a couple places out here that that uh, that play by those kinds of rules. But uh, but no, man, I like getting the jeep out there. I like getting it up in the up in the hills. I like getting up in the mountain and whatnot. Getting out in the nature. Getting out to where some of these other guys oh, are out sure. shooting and whatnot. And and it's just you know it's that bonding experience. It's getting out into mother nature. It's you know I don't know, man. There's just something about that. Now I can't get that until the end of the month. <laughs> it's already been a little while, so. You know, and I've I've been so long without the Jeep. I've got all these things that I like to do with the oh, Jeep, and now it's like the government's telling me no. I got Uncle Sam saying no, no, no. Well, so it's, oh. I mean, you can still go camping. You you still oh, drove sure. out there in the Jeep, and uh, you know. Well, so here's the other here's the other thing with the camping is that uh, I can't even have campfires right now. So it's you know, like, to well, me, that's the most fun about camping yeah, is having a campfire. It's the biggest part. So you know, no s'mores, no cooking over the fire. You know, you can't even have a can't even have a charcoal grill things are so dry out here right now so or, or a charcoal uh, uh, i may not be able to say this it may not be politically correct but a, a charcoal weenie uh those uh, why is it why do the hot dogs that are so crappy taste so good when they're cooked on the end of a, a, a an old-timey uh coat hanger yeah something about a bologna tube on a stick over open flame i, I don't know it's good stuff but, uh, I, I, that's the yeah. th- that is the most fun thing about camping having the campfire sitting there at night and just uh stuffing yourself silly and watching the stars so unless we uh you know over the holiday weekend get like several inches of rain which they're not predicting uh <laughs> it's, it looks like it's not going to be till fall till i can go wheeling again or shooting or anything so every, oh, everything's shut down right i didn't now. think about that because of the catalytic converters and stuff yeah, you, can't, you can't go off road either damn yeah. you need to move i know uh, it's brutal right now. Now, look, it's 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 one of these things to where every so often, every you know, 10, 15 years or so out here in the Northwest, things get a little dry. In the last couple of years, we've been a little dry. We have the that El Nino, La Nino, whatever it is, uh, you know, uh, weather pattern that comes in and, and we just dry up like like Southern California for a little while. Um, and it's it's it comes and it goes and it passes. And eventually, you know, next year will be a new year and I'm not going to have to worry about those sorts of things. So. Uh, it's just one of these things you got to roll with the punches. Population increases uh, whenever you gets dry out there too. I bet. <laughs> well, it doesn't go down. <laughs> less uh, less suicides because all the rain. So, is that still a thing out there where they uh, you have a lot of suicides because it's raining all the time? What they call that seasonal uh, 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 seasonal situational. There's there's they call it sad. Uh, ah. it's, it's, and it's like a seasonal Clever. something depression. Uh, but it's uh yeah because we only get so many hours of daylight and it's it rains for like six months straight and you know all that sort of stuff. But it's so. absolutely beautiful out there uh, in the oh, woods and the, oh, the foliage. There's nothing and, like it. Nothing like it, man. You know, I was thinking since you're going out there with the uh, with the sloths and the monkeys and stuff are if you want to put a little band with a call number uh, in in case I get well, put I've in a cage, these, call Tony. At, uh, I've got these <laughs> pins that 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 we got now. 
I'm hold them up to the microphone. Uh, that, but the, that's you know, as the good podcasting there. Yeah, the, right. The old style <laughs> buttons. You know, you got the little, you got the little pin on the backside and whatnot. I, I, you know, if they've got some tracking collars on there, I think, uh, you know, a little occasional Jeep talk show button popping up in uh, random areas might not hurt, right? I am not an animal. <laughs> Call Tony; he can confirm it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't have much of anything going on. Uh, I have uh, installed the uh, onboard air system in the back, but I haven't connected to anything yet. Uh, I hey, did have, you get your heat shroud done yet? I know you were talking about bending some metal or something like that to uh, to sort of protect it from you know tool bags and groceries, you know that sort of stuff. Uh, did you ever get something uh, figured out for that? No, I mean I'm not past uh, just getting the uh, the wire run back there to to power the oh. silly thing. So. Uh, until I get the the thing hooked up and running, uh, I I do hear something moving around back there. So I, I'm thinking that the tank has uh, come in loose uh, from the vibration. So I probably I, did, I only had a couple of bolts that would uh, hold it to the the contraption that mm-hmm. I built. So I, I may need to make a run over to uh, the uh, parts store and get some proper bolts. And there you know you I saw on uh, I think it was Via Air's uh, website where they actually have uh, these little rubber uh, isolators that go in there uh, that I don't think came with this tank. Oh. So I was actually thinking about getting, ordering those rubber isolators, putting them in there and then properly sized uh, bolts. And I, I'm probably going to have to put either lock washer or some Loctite uh, to keep it from vibrating, uh, vibrating loose. Uh, which, yeah, there you go. I was going to say use, use the Loctite. I mean, it's not like you're going to be taking that air compressor out all that often. Mm-mm. Oh, well, the way uh, I have it set up, the, I can take it out the whole the whole thing. Well, yeah, you're going to be taking out, out the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that way. So uh, I shouldn't have but, to uh, unbolt it. Thank God. No. Yeah. No, and the rubber feet are definitely going to uh, add a, an extra degree of isolation. Uh, I mean, your overall noise probably isn't going to change. The only way that you're going to be able to reduce that noise would be to relocate the intake a little bit to uh, like behind a quarter panel or or something like that. Uh, but then you start getting into, well, you know, d- increased resistance across the hose length and all that sort of stuff, putting more of a load on the front side of the compressor. You know, you get into changing your duty cycles and all this sort of stuff. And that kind of gets tricky from that point on. But uh, but no, the isolators would definitely um, add a little bit as far as taking down some of that vibration and some of that, that in-cab noise that you'll hear from just the uh, compressor vibrating the metal and whatnot. Now I have not run the compressor in the Jeep yet, but when I had oh. it, when I had it on the floor <clears throat> mocked up in next to the Jeep in the garage, I was yeah. really surprised how quiet that Via Air. Uh, I think it's a 450C, a 100% duty cycle model that well, I wait have. Wait till you go from 800 square feet down to 40 square feet. It's going to yeah, yeah. Make a no, big no, uh, yeah. Well, but also too, there's going to be softer surfaces as far as carpet oh, and everything yeah. else. So I'm sure you'll hear it. I just, uh, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that you'll hear the tank when it ruptures. I'm still concerned about the tank. You know, uh, it's only It'll 150 the, psi, so it's oh. The Tank is, well, no, the tank is ready at 150 PSI, so it's not like the compressor is going to be putting out 250 or 400 and there's a runaway event and the, the tank ruptures. But, you know, it's just like one of those things. It's like shooting a, a gun at the first time. You know there's a big explosion. It's very dangerous. And until you get used to shooting it, you have that little bit of apprehension, a little bit of the fear. Sure. So Now, let me ask you. You're, you're going to have a, a safety valve uh, on ab- the tank, Absolutely right? do, yeah. Okay, and you're going to have a pressure switch on your on your compressor that turns it off at a certain PSI, right? No, I'm sorry. I misspoke. I do not have a, a, a pressure switch uh, or, or safety, uh, a safety release. I have a manual release that I can oh, empty okay. the tank. 
but I have the uh, the pressure switch, uh, the 150 psi pressure switch. So you can get those. It's it's basically just a a spring loaded valve essentially that will um, at a certain psi. It is the spring is overridden. So mm-hmm. if you get up to 160, 170 psi, you know that that spring is going to it is no longer going to be able to keep that valve closed, and it's going to open up and allow that excess pressure to come out of that tank a little bit. Um, those are very relatively inexpensive. I might recommend just for peace of mind getting those if you have the extra port on the tank, that is. Yeah, I'll have to look. I, I like that idea. And it, uh, for some reason, I didn't see that in any of the layouts that I was going by. You know, of course, this is my first onboard, onboard air system. So uh, it's all new to me. But yeah, I, I, I love that idea of it because I don't think that the pressure switch is working now. It never would kick off. It never would turn off. And unfortunately, the pressure gauge that I have is mounted on the A-pillar, so I don't have that hooked up. But the next Mm -hmm. time I run the compressor, the whole whole setup, it'll all be hooked up and and hooked into my switch panel so I can turn the the compressor uh, or the power to the the pressure switch on and off. Yeah, that's a... uh, a Good, good idea. Because those pressure switches, I, I, they don't last forever. Um, now, some of them are better, are made better than others, and I don't hear about those going bad all that often. Um, but there is a chance, and you know, you, you, you're more focused on the trail, you're more focused on you know lunch or a trail repair, and you don't notice that, or you forget that that pressure switch has failed, and all of a sudden you're putting 200 psi into a 150 psi tank. And something can go bad very easily. So, um, you know, just one of those things where it might be $7 on Amazon, 10 bucks or less, who knows. Um, but, you know, it's that extra little added peace of mind that can save you in the side of your Jeep. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm just thinking about this. It doesn't have the, the pressures, the mechanical pressure switch you're talking about, the, the fail safe. It doesn't have to go on to the tank. It could actually go on the manifold uh, where I'm uh, plumbing everything in under the hood, couldn't it? Well, now, the pressure switch that I'm talking about is what basically it, it turns the air compressor on and off. It's, no, no, it's I'm like talking about re- the, the, mechanical, uh, the, the mechanical switch that you were talking about. So then it, it gets oh, to 160 oh. or 170. I mean, it doesn't have to be on the tank, does it? That would probably be the best place for it. Oh, I it. agree, yeah. Uh, but, you know... I got I, the reason why I mention is I have a lot of open ports on this manifold that I have that I'm going to be putting uh, under the hood uh, where the uh, the uh, ARB air switches are going to be located. So I thought I guess if, as long as you don't have any one way valves in the system and that and that uh, manifold is always seeing the same psi as what the tank is going to be seeing, then I don't see any reason why you couldn't put it there. Yeah, I mean I could always put a manifold on the on the tank, I suppose, but. Well, the um, tank should have have a multiple ports. But it does, but I think I got them all filled. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got the I got the drain on the bottom. I've got that uh, manual pressure release on the top. I guess I could replace the manual pressure release with the with the failsafe. No, you want that manual pressure release on the tank because you're you are going to get condensation in the tank unless you have some sort of a uh, moisture uh, uh, one of those moisture puller outer thingies. <laughs> what <the hell> <laughs> <called>? Dryer, <laughs> air dryer. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Well, I got that thing uh, unless, on the bottom, you know, that you can twist. Uh, what do they call yeah, it? Yeah, that, that you want to leave. Yeah, you want to you want to leave that that uh, you want to leave that on there because so, that way you can you can get rid of that condensation right. that builds up in the tank. Um, uh, so that that's there. But I, I thought those had like two or three ports on either end there's, in the addition to the one on the bottom and the top. I believe there's one on the top, there's one on the bottom, and there's two on either end. 
And oh, there you go. I got uh, one of them is the air compressor. Uh, another one is the air line that I'll be able to use to air mm-hmm. up the tires. Uh, the other one is a the pressure, the, the electrical pressure switch, the thing you power so it turns on the compressor and turns it off whenever it, you know, it hits the whatever the setting oh, is. Oh, move that to your manifold. You don't need that back there on the tank. Oh, well, I've got a, let's see. Actually, that might make things easier. We'll have to look at that. It's kind of big, though. That's the only problem. Oh, okay. You got one of the big one, the big uh, kind of a gray plastic box, squarish uh, looking thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 There's there, there's a couple different versions of the. There's a there's a larger version like what you got, and there there's a there's a much smaller version. Almost looks like an oil pressure sending unit. Oh wow. Um, wow. Maybe yeah. Much more compact. So well, I look into that. Maybe it's uh, maybe an idea to you know throw one in the toolbox to have as a spare just in case type of thing. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, what's your, what's your on off rated at? Uh, it's supposed to be 150, uh, but it depends on what you read. Uh, how, I mean, on the, on the unit, on the little, uh, electric, uh, switch itself, electric, uh, sensor sw- switch dealy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad I was prepared with the, the, uh, the terms on all this stuff. Uh, the, thousand I think tonight, it was <laughs> like, yeah, I think it was like 160, 170 or 200 or something, but I went and looked it up online where I bought it, you know, from Amazon and it says 150. So I don't know. Well, it's probably ra- rated for a total of 150, but I'm, I'm guessing it would come on at 80 and then turn off at 120 or something like that. Uh, it's higher. Know. No, it's higher. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll just have to look at it. And right now I'm not paying that much attention to it until I get the meter hooked up until I get the air pressure gauge hooked up. And I well, see here's exactly where I was going on. with that. I was, is I was going to make sure that, and, and this goes out to, to any of our listeners as well, that, you know, if you're, if you're building an on air, uh, onboard air system that you want to make sure that you're on off is below what your tank's maximum pressure rating is so if your tank is only rated for 150 psi and you have a you know pressure switch that won't shut off until 200 uh, you might be into some trouble oh, there of course so. yeah no it's it, it, it depending on what you read it's 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 all 150 so okay. uh and i think right now i think maybe what what the deal was because i'm probably gonna have to get some more uh um i forget what the things are called the thing that you can slide the hose onto the rubber hose onto and then clamp it off it didn't seem to be fitting like it needed to with the the three eighths inch hose or whatever it was I'm running. Mm. Uh, so I think I had uh, an air leak in there that was minor, but it may have keep been keeping it from getting up to the 150. So tracing those air leaks are going to be tricky, and and trust me, just when you think you have everything torqued down enough, you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to work loose over over a period of time. That's why a little I, bit. I, and I even double clamped uh, double clamped it, and it got better, but I never could get to the, get it to where it would uh, shut off. And according to what I was reading, uh, with the configuration that I have, uh, it, it should have shut itself off in under three minutes. It should have pressurized that two and a half gallon tank to 150 mm. psi. In yeah, under it sounds three like minutes. a big leak somewhere. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. I'll, I'll find it, but I, oh sure, it was it oh, was sure. just being mocked up, and I and I'll I'll be able to pay more attention to it whenever I get it uh, get it all situated. I, I and I, I'm sure I mentioned this before. I did get to play with the air horn a little bit. I was gonna be my next question. I was gonna say, yeah. did you find a place for the air horn yet? And, and no, have you fired no, it but off but yet? then when I mocked it up, <laughs> I I hooked up the air horn to it. And uh, it is loud. It is the 150. And you decrease the dog's lifespan by two years at least. <laughs> it is the 153 decibels that it claims yeah. to be. <laughs> Especially in the garage under the hood. It was oh, rough. Oh, God. I can only imagine. <laughs> 
I am looking forward to using that. Uh, and, oh, good you know, time. I was thinking that if I was if my, if my Jeep wasn't modified, wasn't lifted with tires and lights and roll bar and I'm not roll bar, but, uh, um, uh, aftermarket bumpers and all the rest of that crap, I could probably get away with it using the air horn and nobody would know where it came oh, from. Right. Yeah. Total sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as, as soon as a cop that I didn't see, hears that air horn. He's going, Oh, yep. There he is. <laughs> yep. That guy. It's him. not me. What? <laughs> that was, a well, you were the red one. You were standing out. Uh, we, we decided to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, anyway, I, I'm, uh, I'm hoping to get a little more, a uh, little stuff done here this weekend, especially the long weekend. It's just been so say, hot you, here. You have a long weekend too. Hopefully the weather is going to be uh, calming down for you a little bit. I know uh, hot August nights and all that. We're pretty much rolling out of that and, uh, well, and fall is just around the corner. Down here near the Gulf of Mexico, we are watching two tropical disturbances that are in the Atlantic. And uh, one is close enough that we may be uh, getting a little uh, a little nervous about it uh, coming up on uh, uh, you know on Labor Day of the day after. Well, we are looking at rain, so actually it's not going to be too bad out uh, temperature wise. They're, they're oh, very nice. Looking at rain over the next uh, three days, I believe. Do they call them depressions or disturbances? I think right now or, they're or disturbances. I, I think the, de- oh, okay. the depression is at it when it gets to a certain point. Uh, you know, I could be wrong on that. But it's they're not hurricanes. They're not. Uh, they're tropical disturbances. And, and interestingly enough, I don't know how much uh, coverage you've been seeing on uh, this African dust uh, in Oregon, but uh, it, it seems like they were talking about it nonstop over here. And uh, apparently all this African dust that's been uh, coming off of the uh, the coast of Africa from the, the desert over there, actually, and coming into our area has stopped formation of these tropical uh, waves. That's insane. No, I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, all up here, it's all about the uh, the wildfire smoke, uh, which just finally, after weeks and weeks and weeks, has uh, has blown off as uh, as the uh, trade winds have sort of uh, shifted a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's what was all the talk here for the longest time. Which is weird because last year it was worse, but we were we were more surrounded by wildfires uh, than we are this year, and so we were actually getting you know ashfall. Uh, here out in my driveway, uh, whereas this year it's, it's just Jeez. sort of haze in the air. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's really scary. Well, anyway, the plan is is to get uh, find out what that uh, that rolling around noise is, which I'm pretty sure is the tank, and uh, get that thing bolted down and uh, get the uh, the power to it. The thing I haven't been looking forward to getting into is uh, pulling down the panel that you know because I've got that multi switch panel on the uh, oh, uh, the roof of the Jeep and yeah. I, I, gotta, I have to pull that down. I've got to hook up some more wires and then I got to put it all back up. You know, tuck everything back where it goes. Uh, fortunately, I don't have to run wire down because I have enough wire running from that panel down. I just don't have it hooked up to all the switches. So I got a switch panel that I did the same sort of thing to. Now mine's uh, in the center console. Uh, it's on the shift bezel, uh, but the same sort of thing. I, I hooked up relay packs uh, to all those switches, and and even though all of them aren't currently populated, they're all wired. And so all I have to do is is pull that panel down below the steering wheel and start tapping into my relays, and everything's right there for me. So yeah, if uh, I, sort of a little if, bit of planning ahead. If I had done it properly, I would have gone ahead and wired up that panel, so I wouldn't have to mess with it again. And then situations like this wouldn't be that big a deal. They'd all be right there into the hood and just go, oh, well, mm. here's here's an open one. And uh, I think this is the right switch. You know, do a little testing. Yep, that's the switch that's labeled uh, compre- air compressor. That's the one I want. And uh, boom, boom. But now, I mean, running the, the, the power cable isn't going to be that big a deal. But pulling down that uh, switch panel, running all that yeah. wiring, uh, 
<laughs> putting in the relay, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's, uh, that's going to be fun. Um, I swear to God, and I'm going to do this a lot sooner than I've done this onboard air, because I think we were talking about onboard air when you joined the show back in 1492. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, I'm going to do this quicker. I want to get that uh, Raspberry Pi with a touchscreen that I have set up in my my vehicle. I do have a a multi-relay panel to connect to it, and I'm going to get that relay connected up to some lights or something so that I can control them from the touchscreen. And you know that would be cool. You've yeah. seen some of this stuff, I think, from ARB and there's some other uh, big name manufacturers for like only seven hundred and fifty bucks. You can get this starting. Con- you can, starting yeah, you it. Can, yeah. You can get this <laughs> controller to do this, and I I want to do it with a, a forty dollar Raspberry Pi, a, a sixty dollar touchscreen, and a a reused uh, cell phone mount uh, holding it all to the floor where it's just right there on you know at my, at my beck and call. So. Oh, that's when we're going to have to uh, get the invite to SEMA, and where you're going to be the official Jeep Talk Show uh, vehicle at SEMA. It would be uh, the, demonstrating uh, all this. It would be the only Cherokee Jeep, uh, the, uh, 1984 through 2001 Jeep Cherokee at SEMA. Because when I went in 2013, there were no Cherokees. At oh, la- all. was it last year? Uh, last year, the year before, uh, JCR had a uh, had an XJ. That's right. Uh, yeah, they had a well, beautiful. It, it was XJ. an MJ, wasn't it? Oh, I think they did an MJ too. Yeah, I remember the MJ that they they, well, had. they and they did one. Uh, they did one that was sort of a. Uh, they did a white one, uh, but I think the MJ was white too. But uh, they did one that had the uh, the triangular tank track tread things on it as well. Oh yeah. Oh that yeah. Uh, that probably was the, the Cherokee. Uh, yeah, the XJ. That, that we should say yeah. XJ. Um, I should say XJ. Um, yeah. And and, <laughs> and I, I, it wasn't last year, but I think it was a year before. Greg Henderson had his Pathfinder. Was it Pathfinder Pathkiller? I think it was Pathkiller. Uh, Pathfinder is a, a brand name. <laughs> But yeah, this Pathkiller, which was a combo JKU uh, XJ nose. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was really cool looking. I had a uh, at least a thirty minute conversation with him while he was out uh, at Moab. Uh, no, it wasn't. Where was it? Um, Eastern Jeep Safari. Where do they have that? Is it in Moab? Yeah, that's yeah, that's Moab. Okay. Yeah, so Moab he was he was out at Eastern Jeep Safari waiting for parts to come in because he had uh, blown up the the drive shaft or something on his rig. And I was talking to him about being on the show, and uh, uh, now I can't get him to come on. And and, the con- and we had a good conversation. It wasn't what you think, Josh. <laughs> so, but I specifically <laughs> looked at, looked him up because I wanted to find out about Pathkiller. Well, you know what a great idea. Uh, to, yeah. and it just had this wonderful look to it with that XJ, very familiar XJ nose on uh, an otherwise uh, great rig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing is just just amazing looking. Very uh, utilitarian, almost military looking. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, I don't know if you recall or not, it had a automatic uh, soft top. So you press a button and it would Oh, fold I don't remember back. that part. That's cool. And now the JLs are coming out with that. So it was a little bit ahead of its time. Well, hey guys, do you guys want to join in? Do you want to join in on the Campfire Side Chat? We'd love to have you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Now some events that are happening around your world and maybe in your neck of the woods too. Last week was crazy for events. We talked about the Lucas Oil Off-Road Expo. We talked about the Extreme Off-Road Expo and the Northwest Off-Road Expo all happening at the end of September, uh, which may or may not, by the way, the Northwest Off-Road Expo may or may not have a host from the Jeep Talk Show that's going to be attending. So uh, stay tuned for updates on that as well. Now coming up here, September 29th, we have... Back the Blue at the Tucson International Raceway in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, and we have the big one, the Trail Hero at Hurricane Recreation Center 
happening October 2nd through the 6th at Hurricane in, in Hurricane Utah. And of course, if you guys would like, uh, if you would like uh, links or more information about any of these events, be sure to visit JeepTalkShow.com uh, and check on the uh, the show notes for the episode for this episode. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be, fr- be sure to friend and follow and like us on Facebook. Hey, and be sure to leave us a comment and rate the show while you're there. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Hey, how you doing? You come here often? Nah, I don't know if uh, anybody's ever told you this before, but uh, your lug nuts are showing. Podcasting since 2010.